people say the music you listen to when you're 14 is the music you end up listening to for the rest of your life. And for me, the stuff that that was, was 70s soul music. That was what really resonated with me first, just the, uh, the amount of feeling in those songs and the amount of feeling in that music. And, you know, both the sound and just kind of the feeling that I had listening to it. And so I went out and I kind of looked for music that gave me the same feeling that that did. And now, mm-hmm. like, a lot of that was, some of that was current music from about, like, five, ten years ago, more like ten years ago. Some of that mm-hmm. was older music. And I always found myself gravitating towards music that had kind of a really intense, like, some kind of intense piano part and some kind of interesting chords. Foreshadowing. Hello, Roy Bitten. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Joining me today is JM. They are a musician and uh, a major Springsteen fan, and I am excited to have JM join me. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Nice to be here. Yeah. Tell us a little about yourself. I'm 23. I've done a lot of other things, but I still count myself as a musician first. (laughs) Okay. And I was born and raised in Massachusetts. I am currently living in Vermont, but I'm actually about to move back to Massachusetts, which I did not know yet when I asked you if I could come on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I know you were uh, Burlington, Vermont, which is uh, the hometown of one of my best friends. And that is oh, actually nice. where my wife's uh, father was born and raised. Uh, he is, uh, he was a, um, he had grown up there in Burlington. So uh, a really, I, I've got, I had a, I worked for a company that had a small little office there. And so I was able to visit a couple of times and my friend, Sam's like, you've got to go to Al's French fries. You got to go to Al's French fries. <laughs> and so <laughs> no way I was literally at Al's French fries the other day. Yes. It's the the joint's like straight out of the 50s. It is the exact same as it was in they have pictures in there of how it was in the 1950s and it looks yes. the exact same. I walked yeah. in there the other day they were playing Elvis. Let's talk about you. I always like to start at the beginning. Talk about growing up. What what kind of music did your family listen to, JM? My parents were both pretty big into classical music because they had both I don't know how each of them kind of reached it, but they both loved singing like classical chorus music. So that was kind of a big presence that both of them had around the house. I wasn't so into that. Mm-hmm. My mom would play a lot of jazz around the house, a lot of jazz, a lot of Ella Fitzgerald, a lot of Billie Holiday, and also a lot of Billy Joel. So that was kind of that, that 70s rock, mm-hmm. that 70s kind of that 70s rock and roll music that kind of had a story to it, a yeah. story and kind of a cinematic feel to it. That was what I was hearing the most around the house and she played piano too still does she plays a mean version of um the root beer rag ah okay you know she had this old upright piano 
sitting in the living room and I'd be, you know, five years old playing with Legos sitting on the floor and she'd be playing some Billy Joel song. She'd be sight reading it out of the Billy Joel lyrics book, the sheet music book. And then meanwhile, my dad was much more of a uh, singing solo because he likes the attention kind of guy. So he would would not really be playing any instruments around the house, but he'd be putting on a lot of... uh, Actually, a wide range of things. When I'd get in the car with him when I was a little kid, it would be anything from John Mayer to 70s R&B, which is also something that really resonated with me when I was small that stuck with me since then. Mm-hmm. But it was a lot of it was a lot of 70s music and a lot of more current kind of pop rock music, which at the time that was maybe like the mid 2000s. I'm a late 90s baby. So okay. that was when I was a kid. When, you know, when I was, when I was really little, John Mayer was on the radio. Okay. Sure. <laughs> that's how old I am. Okay. Not very old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's okay. When I was in high school, it was um, Queen, Barry Manilow, uh, Elton John, um, Casey and the Sunshine Band, the Eagles. So um, yeah, I, Elton I'm, John, that was on in our house a lot too. Yeah, I bet. Um, so Um, did you embrace their music or did you kind of rebel against it? I embraced some of it. I embraced some of it. Mm -hmm. I definitely, I do still listen to Billy Joel sometimes because I like it. Not just because Mm -hmm. it's, you know, nostalgic from when I was six years old, but I also definitely like growing up hearing jazz and piano based, like piano centered music around the house all the time, that definitely left some kind of impression on my ears. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, but, um, yeah. when you started, like you're, you're going into high school and, and your you know, college age years, what kind of music were you looking for? What, what, what did you start, you know, finding kind of speaking to you? <clears throat> what I found was really speaking to me. People say the music you listen to when you're 14 is the music you end up listening to for the rest of your life. And for me, the stuff that that was, was 70s soul music. Okay. That was what really, that was what really resonated with me first. Just the, uh, you know, just the amount of feeling in those songs and the amount of feeling in that music. And, Mm -hmm. you know, both the sound and just kind of the feeling that I had listening to it. And so I went out and I kind of, looked for music that gave me the same feeling that that did and now Mm -hmm. like a lot of that was some of that was current music in you know from about like five ten years ago more like 10 years ago some of that Mm -hmm. was older music and I always found myself gravitating towards music that had kind of a really intense like some kind of intense piano part and some kind of interesting chords foreshadowing hello Roy Benton you know yeah sure (laughs) and so much of um because so much of bruce's music is built around whatever roy's doing on piano it's only a matter of time till i found that and was like this is (laughs) mind-blowing yeah and you know and it really is interesting you hear a lot of people talking about that um roy was in a lot of ways instrumental in changing that sound of e street band you know in in so many different ways so very interesting. Um, I always, do you remember when you first discovered Bruce and what about his music spoke to you? So he was our, um, that greatest hits album, that one from the nineties where he's standing on the cover with his back to the camera. 
Yeah. That was our road trip music. That was one of our road trip themes for a very long time. That mm-hmm. and the Beach Boys Greatest Hits album. Okay. You had us on any road trip anywhere, those two were on. Okay. And I'm loving this road is, trip. Those are my, my <laughs> if I have to, uh, Brian Wilson was my first musical obsession. Uh, and uh, then, of course, I discovered Bruce. So you're hitting my two favorite musical uh groups teams yeah yeah honestly i think they have a lot of connection between them okay that's interesting definitely definitely on that line of um being misinterpreted as writing all about just fast cars and pretty girls on the beach when there's really a lot more going on in those lyrics than you know a casual listener might expect Mm -hmm. yeah i think so so anyway so you had the two at a beach boys greatest hits and springsteen greatest hits all right let's go go ahead and except that really, um, the funny thing is, I really only started to kind of find Bruce's music resonating with me when I got a car. Okay. I ended up with a relative car who didn't want to drive anymore. Summer that I was about to be a senior in high school. And I had a playlist. I had a little playlist of songs that I would just put on when I was driving just because I was so excited to finally be able to drive places on my own and have my license. Yes. And every time I would get on the highway, every time I would get on the highway, I would queue up Born to Run to come on right as I was merging. (laughs) And from there, it was just kind of from there, from there, somehow I ended up um the two songs of his that I was really attached to before uh before I got really into kind of his music as a whole in college were Born to Run and Jungle Land because and I don't really know how to explain this otherwise I'm not from Jersey Jungle Land makes me homesick wow. for Massachusetts okay that's nice and I really I really don't understand why but it does mm-hmm. it does I would hear it when I was you know sitting in my dorm or a college apartment or wherever. And it would immediately just, I would immediately be thinking about, you know, the part of Massachusetts that I'm from has a highway route nine that goes through it. And every time he'd mention highway nine and born to run, I'm like, Hey, I drive on route nine. (laughs) And I would hear, um, so I'm very attached to kind of the specifically the neighborhood that I grew up in because my mom's family has been there for decades Okay. And it's been kind of the same, the same couple of shops, same couple of, same couple of restaurants, same couple of places there for as long as I can remember. And anytime I would get homesick, it's funny because I would put Jungle Land on and I would immediately get more homesick. But it, yeah. you know, something in me was like, I'm already homesick. I need to listen to something that echoes this feeling. Mm, okay. And then, yeah, it's something that just echoed that feeling. It's all, it's it's all about the feeling that that music gives you. I find that's like the music that I always end up coming back to. It's always because it always makes me feel the same way when I hear it. Mm-hmm. Did and somehow yeah huh no go uh, ahead what were you gonna say no 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 continue your thought yeah somehow uh, me being very attached to those two songs led to me thinking you know these songs are from the same album and. I've heard so many of the songs off this album separately on that greatest hits CD, but I've never bothered to go listen to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So I got in my car, I put Born to Run full album on, I drove around until it was over. And when I came back and parked, I I felt like I saw, I felt like I could see a color I didn't know existed before. (laughs) Interesting. Um, It was just, 
like I did not know that I it was just one of those things where you finally go out of your way to actually listen to someone whose music you've been hearing that people close to you have been playing for your entire life yeah and then somehow it just comes time for you to find out about it for yourself and you do and suddenly you're kind of a changed person from it do you i mean it one of my one of my favorite songs is um it is covered by Sarah Hickman. She didn't write it, but it's, we are each other's angels. And she talks about, and we will meet when it is time. So you're almost saying, right? Like that, that song found you when you needed it. It, it, it yeah. became that, you know, like it isn't just a matter of, because as you talked about, you've, you've heard this all this time. You've the, the CD's always been there. And all of a sudden you, you met it when you, in your heart and soul, you're ready to receive it, not to get overly exactly. sentimental. Right. No, but you're right. You're mm-hmm. right. I mean, don't worry about getting overly sentimental. Look who we're talking about. Right. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think, um, so once you went on that drive, you know, you went for a ride and you never came back to quote, right? Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. What, what was your next steps? What, what did you go toward your, your fandom? You know, what, what was your next steps in your Springsteen fandom? I think the next thing I did was just, actually, I think the next thing I did was do the same thing again the next day because I had to drive somewhere anyways. And I, I was just like, I need to experience this again. Yeah. But <clears throat> after that, man, I'm trying to think of what I did next. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I listened to Darkness next. Okay. I think that was the next album I listened to. And that too was, I mean, in a really different way, but it was like, you know, this all makes sense now. This all makes sense now. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, ha- like the funny thing too is having come from, um, having had my taste in older music when I was in high school be a lot of 70s, 70s soul music and also a little bit going back to that kind of 60s soul 60s pop music almost that 60s girl group sound the yeah. first thing i heard the you know the first thing you hear on that album is badlands and somehow i was instantly just like oh this guy also is a is clearly a big fan of that era of music like that mm-hmm. era of early 60s you know early 60s like big sound jingling everything pop music like of course you hear that on born to run but the first thing you hear on darkness is badlands and he comes in with these big piano chords with the bells coming in over them and you're like oh hello (laughs) Mm -hmm. and of course that album gets so much darker I, i always think of the uh i always think of a quote where he's talking about the first two songs in that album how it's like a movie where people are having a picnic and then it cuts to a dead body and the dead body is Adam raised a cane. But mm-hmm. that transition too, I was like, Whoa, like, like that, the sound of, or at least the, sorry, I'm just trying to figure out what words to say here. I understand. No, <laughs> the, you're doing um, fine. <laughs> I think that album and also to, to more of an extent, the river are both very much like, they both very much kind of sum up, one person's life like they mm-hmm. could sum up one person's life each of those albums could like completely sum it up you know somebody um you know on darkness somebody's kind of defiance against you know the kind of world trying to grind them down and also you know the pain that you feel when 
you're kind of faced with a system that's rigged so you can't win. And then on the river, you know, the uh, the kind of existential sadness and, you know, the really personal and sad stories from anybody's life mixed in with, you know, out in the street, hey, I got off work on a Friday night, let's go out dancing. Or, you know, Cadillac Ranch. The afterlife is a ranch with cool cars. James Dean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Do- and something about that, summing it all up and making it all seem like it could be like everything on both of those albums seems like it could be part of the same story on each of those albums. It feels like one longer story through the song, which is just beautiful to me. Yeah. Um, So JM, you mentioned you, you initially think of yourself as a uh, musician. Talk to me a little about that. Talk about one, you know, when did you first knew that you had this, you know, this desire to to make music and share me a little bit about that journey. I think that's been ever since I was a little kid. I would, my mom still tells this story and I get embarrassed by it every time. Uh, We had this little CD of Christmas songs that I would make up little harmonies to when I was about five or six. Okay. And then a couple of years after that, I had a friend who the two of us became, a, a friend from school who the two of us became completely obsessed with pop music and we would write our own songs together and we'd in you know we'd sit in my room for hours both of us like maybe nine years old or so just like obsessively trying to write these cute little pop songs just like what we heard on the radio and I still have one of them I still have the lyrics to one of them somewhere and I honestly think that one was pretty good okay not to not to toot my own horn but (laughs) after that I started playing drums and I was a drummer in different school bands and also bands with my friends for quite a while, uh, middle school and high school. Everybody has a first band story too. And my first band was in middle school, two of my best friends. Okay. I was playing bass for some reason. I was not playing drums. Uh, My best friend was playing drums and there was a girl who had decided she was going to be the star of the show who was playing piano and singing and taking credit for songs that I wrote. So that didn't last very long. Okay. But I kept playing drums for quite a while after that and joined a couple of different kind of informal bands, informal jam sessions once I got up here to Burlington. And a couple of years ago, a friend of mine who I actually met this way, he has a Prince cover band. All right. is actually like a really fantastic and tight band in their own right. And this friend of mine heard me singing and was like, hey, our voices might have a pretty good blend. So we tried singing Nothing Compares to You together as a duet at this little um, this little bar where he and his friend were doing a set of acoustic covers. Turned out it sounded great. We sounded great together. And soon enough, I was coming on stage with him in front of, this was actually the summer of 2020. So this is when drive-in concerts were a thing. Mm-hmm. I was coming up on stage in front of a crowd of parked cars incredibly weird experience to yeah. just absolutely sing my little heart out across okay. from a friend of mine who had basically encouraged me to get out from behind the drum kit for the first time. And that was the first time I was ever really up front on stage playing music. And I've been chasing that high ever since. Okay. <laughs> do and when you, I say, when I say, Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, do you, 
do you do you enjoy singing and being in front being the front person i love that that is that's the high that i've been chasing there was a um still like these past couple of years when they've been doing gigs for big enough audiences they bring me and a couple of other you know a couple horn players up to do about like either half the show or i just come up and sing back in vocals and you know duets when my friend wants to do that for the whole show and it's only when they have a big enough audience but the last show we did was last fall okay and it was last fall and my friend wasn't you know so the fun thing about friends you make through local music it's it's all intergenerational friendships so this guy is like old enough to be my uncle right right and he he got injured a couple of years ago he hurt his leg a couple of years ago it didn't heal too great so he, during the last song of the night, we'd already been going for maybe two and a half, three hours or so. Last song of the night, he, his legs are hurting so bad, he runs off the stage mid-song to go up okay. and, you know, stretch him out and recover up in the dressing room. And suddenly, I'm the only person with a mic. Okay. And I look at the lead guitarist and the two of us are just like, oh my God, what do we do now? And I was, some instinct in me took control and I was like, solo. He started mm-hmm. taking a solo. He threw it back to me. I sang a couple last choruses of that song, and then I brought it home. I was like, "All right, on the one." And we all finished where we were. You know, we all a couple of us came up to the mic and thanked everybody, wished them a good night, take care, drive home safe, and we were off stage. And that was when I suddenly understood. Oh, that's why. That's why some people love doing this so much. You know, yeah. that's what you know. When I'm listening to, you know, when I'm listening to a Bruce Archive show, that's why he's enjoying that so much. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. Had the rush for the first time. Had the rush for the first time. And, oh, it is, it's incredible. It's incredible. I ended up switching over to guitar last winter because I'd been learning on somebody else's kind of really low quality guitar for quite a while. And... I finally had some money saved up and I was like, you know what? I need an instrument that's going to stay in tune for more than 20 minutes at a time. Okay. So I went out to, I went out to guitar center and I came home with a Telecaster. <laughs> nice. Now, uh, JM, are you writing? I've been writing a couple of songs on, uh, I've been writing a couple of songs on my own, but I've had a very busy spring. I did recently graduate college actually. So I was pretty busy with that. But I've also been going to a lot of every Thursday night this past spring, I've been at these open mics with a couple of friends of mine. And we always take the stage in this little tiny bar at the end of the night. And Mm. nine times out of 10, I'm up there with my guitar and I'm sharing the mic with somebody else. And it's that feeling of bringing it home once again, that feeling of, all right, it's in our hands now and we are going to bring this you know, we are going to bring this party to an end, go out with a bang yeah. in front of, you know, however many drunk people are in the bar who don't care how, how bad you sound. <clears throat> but there's such a, there's such a joy to it. So now when I listen to those archive shows, I'm like, Oh, I know how that feels. And it's, it makes you enjoy listening to that more. Mm-hmm. Are you, um, are you wanting to do, I mean, where did, first of all, where'd you go to school? What, uh, as in, yeah, where did I grow you, up just, or what you said you just graduated see? college. So, yeah. Yeah. So I just graduated from the university of Vermont. It oh. took me, uh, took me some time. I had to take some time off, but 
I made it and I'm very proud. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> you should be. Um, and uh, I think you posted a couple of pictures on uh, your Twitter timeline. So well done. That's exciting. Oh, yeah. oh you, you saw those, huh? <laughs> yeah. What's uh, and uh, it. So what's next for you? What what do you want to do musically or now career wise now that you're you've joined the quote unquote real world? <laughs> I you know, it's funny because given what uh, you know, how sometimes when you got some particular artist on the brain, you start picking out song titles from random sentences people are sure. saying. Since we're talking, you know, since we're talking about Bruce, you say real world and I start thinking. Exactly. Song, right. Real yes, world. exactly. <laughs> I get and no pun intended, is, but yes. Yeah. I mean, so many puns you can get. Right. Do you. <laughs> I actually just found out yesterday, mm-hmm. the day before we recorded this, I actually just accepted a job um, pretty close to where I'm from, where my family still lives. And I don't want to give too much away about what I'm doing because. I'm going to be writing news okay. and I don't particularly want, uh, <laughs> no, I'm still a little wary of being interviewed for things when sure. you know, I've been freelancing for a local paper on top of being a student when yeah. I was in college and on top of just like working a normal job too. But yeah. I'm still very wary of, uh, I'm still very wary of having my name attached to both the bylines I have and the other stuff I do for fun. Sure. But, yeah, I, I, I can it's, get that. This is a really interesting day to have this conversation because I just like just made a major life decision yesterday. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Um, JM. Thanks again. No, one of the things um, and we're going to get back to Bruce and music. Um, but one of the things you said you wanted to talk about is Bruce's influence in certain communities. So uh, tell me a little bit about what you were thinking about when you said you wanted to visit. Oh, I love that we're talking about this at the very end of Pride Month. Yes. Um, yes. Well, that's when we're recording this. Yes, it is. <clears throat> Not when it's going to drop, but I love that we're talking about this at the end of Pride Month. So yeah, he has had kind of a cult following among lesbians and trans men for quite a long time. And, you know, I, you know, for my part... I'm kind of in that, and oh man, it feels real strange talking about this on something that strangers will hear, but I am in kind of a period myself of trying to figure out, you know, hey, am I a cisgender lesbian? Am I a trans guy? Am I somewhere in between? Do I need to know? And there is something about the, there is something about the, you know, healthy and kind and warm masculinity that Bruce has always kind of brought to his music and you know to what he does on stage that somehow has brought me a lot of comfort through that through all that weirdness of like hey what's my deal you know if yeah somebody can if the way he mixes what traditionally he mixes the things that are kind of seen as traditionally masculine like both kind of both kind of the way that he dresses and kind of puts himself out there aesthetic wise which I know he's talked about a lot has to do with um his dad being kind of the person he looked to first for, you know, how to be a grown man in the world mm-hmm. and in the kind way that he looks at things, <clears throat> the way that he looks at um, the way that so much of his music is about being a better man, mm-hmm. being a better man than his father was being a better man for his friends, for his family, for his wife, for his girl, for whoever. 
and defining it that way too. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you, I, 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 when we originally started talking about this, you know, I, I said that, um, I have had different guests on the podcast and specifically Bella Pori has been on and, you know, I sent you the link. She, we did an article where she did Bruce's five gayest songs. Um, mm-hmm. She makes a joke that she believes Western stars is all songs about gay couples, uh, you know? <laughs> and so I love that interpretation. <laughs> yeah, I did too. Um, you know, he obviously is a very um seems to be very open-minded um has a very as far as we could tell from the outside a very traditional marriage you know he and patty um you know have been married for a long time in his autobiography talks often about how much she has helped him during his bouts of depression but you are not the first person that has said that you know, and I have sent, you know, where, you know, Bruce Springsteen, lesbian icon, you know, I think to an extent that's lesser talked about um, people who may have thought they were lesbians earlier on, and then kind of got to that point of questioning, you know, am I a cisgender gay woman? Or yeah, am I a trans guy that doesn't want to admit it? Right. That's I think there. Are, um, I think there's a lot of comfort to find in his music when you're in that position of question about yourself. And do you think, because uh, what I was going to say, go ahead. Go ahead, Jam. A lot of, you know, I mean, there's nothing more I can really do than to, you know, quote another song. You got to live it every day. Yeah. You got to live it every day. That's how you figure yourself out. That's how you figure yourself out. And like, you just kind of go forward and whatever feels right at the time feels right. So, and because you what learn I, things as you go. Yeah, because what I think of is we are all trying to figure out who we are. You know, I I kind of make the joke, and it's only slightly joking. You know, I turned 64 this month, and I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to be when I grow up, right? So hey, all happy of birthday. It, thank you very much. So we all are on that journey, and I think that sometimes his music helps people feel better that, Hey, there's other people on this kind of journey too. There's other people yeah. that haven't figured it out and they're trying to figure yeah. it out. So, right. Yeah. And that, that sense of, that sense of feeling isolated, but searching for a community to be around. Yes. That comes through so strongly in so much of his music. And I think that is, a big part of, you know, that's, it's very similar to kind of the experience that I've been talking about and just of, you know, being anything besides straight and cisgender in general. A lot of the time, you know, maybe even within that community, you feel like an outsider and you're looking for people who have either been the same places you've been or are trying to get to the same place that you're trying to get to. And, and you know, if that isn't everything he writes about right there. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the other thing, J.M. Right, is one of the things that I have been able to do over the last, you know, six plus years of doing this podcast is uh, overall people who listen to Bruce music are pretty good people. Um, you know, they seem to be there's always the exceptions, but most of them seem to be caring that seem to um, want 
to uh, share joy. There is a sense of community. Um, you know, you if you mention, you know, you're a Springsteen fan to another fan, your face lights up and you start talking, right? And, and just sharing yeah. and telling the stories. And and, and I'm yeah, sure- some there was a guy who came into my work last week who I can't remember which song it was. There was Bruce song playing on the radio and I made some comment about it. And mm-hmm. I was, you know, talking to this just random customer who had walked into my work and he said, Oh yeah, I love him. I saw him play a show at the UVM gym in 78. I was like, Whoa, you know, like here I am dropping onion rings in the fryer and there's somebody coming in talking to me about a darkness tour show he went to like, hang on. I I gotta, I I gotta come over and talk to this guy. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's, that's awesome. Speaking of, I always like to preface this with the amount of times you've seen Bruce is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. There are people who, based on their age, their location, where they grew up, just have never had a chance to see him. And then there's other people that have been lucky enough that, you know, have seen him hundreds of times. Both are, you know, massive fans. So have you been able to see him perform live? I haven't gotten the chance. I haven't gotten the chance and I desperately want to. Yeah. So I am very, uh, I am very anxiously waiting for the U.S. tour dates to drop. <laughs> yeah. Do you, uh, I don't go to, I don't get to go to that many arena or stadium shows just because they're really expensive to go to in general. So sure. I'm kind of, I'm going to, I'm going to make as much of an effort as I can to get to this tour. Nice. Very nice. Um, you've already kind of talked about the river and born to run and darkness. What, what were your thoughts on Letter to You and Western Stars? I love them both for different reasons. Okay. <laughs> um, Western Stars is kind of, Western Stars is more of a solo record as far as I know for him. You can kind of tell. And yeah. like, that's in a good way too, because it has a very, um, it has a very solo road trip vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Like if you were driving for hours someplace on your own, Western Stars is a good album to put on for that. Yes. And I have done that. I've done that. Um, driving back up to Vermont after the holidays last winter, I put on Western Stars. I was completely alone driving up I-89 through the mountains of New Hampshire at night. And it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Just driving through that winter, winter snow and listening to the Wayfair. That was like, <clears throat> that's kind of what that album is to me. It's an album to be alone with. It's an album to be alone with and kind of just, feel out where you're going. Like that's music to feel out where you're going too. Mm-hmm. And I also really do like that kind of sixties, maybe orchestral sound on him. I like the way that sounds to him. And yeah. I think it's really sweet how it goes from how the kind of narrative of the album, cause he always has a narrative. The narrative of that one just goes from a guy who's really out on his own. It really kind of finishing out in a way is his love letter to Patty, yes. which is just really sweet to me. It mm-hmm. was really sweet to me. Yeah. And Letter to You is like the complete opposite. It's, I listen to that and I always, every song on that album reminds me of somebody else in my life. Mm-hmm. That album is like, it's kind of a, it's more of a like community, like a group album, like a group of people album. Yes. You know, I hear, you know, I hear One Minute You're Here and I hear See You in My Dreams and I think of, you know, relatives who I've lost and who I still, you know, drop off Christmas cookies where they're buried every winter. I hear, 
you know, I hear some of the other songs in that album and I think about my friends who I've, you know, grown up with and watched grow and they've seen me grow and we've just known each other since we were little kids like mm-hmm. that. And that's definitely that album being that way is definitely helped by, you know, he brought the whole band in for that. He brought everybody in for that. Yeah. And he got everyone in the studio together at the same time and did so much of that live. Yes. And you can tell it's, it feels like it, like you feel that coming through the music. And of course I just, you know, <clears throat> some people, I feel like some people think it's overrated, but I, for one, I just love that kind of old school E street sound. Nothing else sounds like that. So I heard that album and I was like, Oh my God, it's back. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. He's doing it again. Yeah. I, um, I've been on the record that, you know, at the end of 2020, we had had such a bad year that, um, you know, I made several comments that if we could have got, if we could get a new president in the fall of 2020 and a new Springsteen album, maybe 2020 won't be the worst year ever. Um, (laughs) And luckily we got both. Uh, So uh, absolutely uh, get that. Um, Where is there any, obviously the correct answer is all of them, but are there (laughs) songs that you like have a mental bingo card on like, Oh, I really hope he plays this. I really hope he plays this. And obviously since you have not had a chance to see him, I, you know, the correct answer is all of them, as I said, but yeah. Yeah. It is uh, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> is there any that you are kind of going, I, I really hope I get a chance to hear this. Yeah. I, so I'm also a big, like wild and innocent East street shuffle person. Okay. Like that is, you know, there's a difference between what I think is his best album and what's my favorite album that he has released. And that, I think that's my favorite. I would say Wild and Innocent is my favorite. Okay. And, oh, I would, I would love it if I got to hear Sandy live. Okay. I would love it if I got to hear Sandy live. Okay. And that's... also, I really love, um, I really love the first couple tracks of Western Stars. I... I know those are, I know those might be a little controversial just because people are kind of like, oh, that doesn't sound quite, you know, that doesn't sound Mm -hmm. so much like him. Oh, he's been writing about people driving alone on the highway for 50 years now. Yeah. But either of those first two tracks on that album, I I don't know why. I don't even know why I want to hear those live so bad, but I do. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, no. Also, I I, want to hear him. Yeah. yeah. Also, someday, and this is just because uh, me and my, sort of unofficial bar band friends do it a lot mm-hmm. and it seems right up his alley my like my like he's never played this live he's probably never gonna play it live but if he did i would lose my mind is being a gone get it on by t-rex okay that's your that's it's, your that's your cover that's song like, that you're hoping right that's my like yeah that's my <clears throat> he's never gonna cover it but if he did and i was there I would never forget it. Song. You would, <laughs> as they say, lose your stuff. Yep. <laughs> Very nice. Very cool. Um, so what, what's next for you? Um, or give me, give me some final thoughts. What is something I should have asked you, JM, that I didn't? Oh man. I don't know. <laughs> We've covered a lot. We have, we have covered a lot of ground. Um, yeah. I think something that, most of the people you talk to probably have said at some point when yeah. you've been recording for this show is that 
there's just something deep about him and the things that, you know, the way he looks at the world that I relate to. Now, this may this may have something to do with me having a somewhat similar background to him because I'm from the East Coast. Yeah. You know, my my family is also, you know, Irish and Italian Catholics. Mm-hmm. And we also can't stand the church. We are also uh, you don't need church, but you do need Jesus kind of people. Yeah. And there's listening to his lyrics coming from that kind of similar background. It's like someone else is, it's like someone else was thinking those same thoughts in your head 50 years or 40 years or 30 years or however long before you were thinking them. Mm -hmm. And you hear, you hear him start talking about, you know, you hear him on land of hope and dreams talking about how, you know, everyone in the end, you know, we're all going someplace better. And from that specific perspective that he was coming from with his upbringing. And to me, that's like, I have been having that thought, but I could never put it into words this well. Yeah. Like he is incredible at just putting things into words that were already out there, but needed to be said a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the, one of the things that he says, or that he, you know, he used to say it at the end of every show that really applies right now is nobody wins unless everybody wins. Yes. There's, I'm not going to get, I'm, I'm only going to get slightly political, but there is a lot of, you know, there are a lot of people trying to pass laws throughout the U S now that would effectively strip rights away from, you know, more than half the people who live here. Yeah. And a lot of those, you know, a lot of people will be affected by multiple of those. And for the people who maybe will only be affected by one or, you know, maybe will only be affected by one of those, you know, the goal isn't just to, the goal isn't just to save yourself and that's it. The goal is we all get out of this. Okay. Cause nobody wins unless everybody wins. Yeah. And as we're recording this, like we said, it's, it's June 29th. Well, this will come out toward the end of July and, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a rough week for a lot yeah. of things. Um, yeah, they just overturned Roe and they're gonna, you know, <clears throat> they just overturned Roe and one of the dissenting or one of the opinions, uh, one of the concurring opinions stated that they want to go after, uh, they want to go after contraception. They want to go after same gender marriage. They want to go after same gender relationships at all. And, you know, that's, you know, when somebody's targeting half the population's rights and saying they're coming for a significant amount of people who have not yet been affected next. Is there any better time for that kind of idea of nobody wins unless everybody wins and we got to be all in for each other now? Yeah, I I think you're right. And I, you know, like I said, we, I try not to get too political on this, but it is, it is sometimes it, it can be a scary time out there. It that's yeah you know and I'll leave it that it is a scary time yeah and uh, you can cut that out if you don't want people to no hear no that. no no I, <laughs> I I I you know I agree with you it is and you know I'm um we we are worried and um I think there's a lot of reasons to be worried and so I, I think I'm absolutely right there with you and so um and the thing is we just. I end every podcast with us. Let's try to be kind to each other. And, but that doesn't being kind doesn't mean you aren't pushing to make things better and to be Mm -hmm. kind to other people. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. 
JM, this was a blast. I had so much fun. Thank you so much for spending time with me. I, um, I feel um, one of the things that I have been very open about is that um, I love all my audience, but at times it, you can, um, my, my guests can be a lot of old white guys like me. <laughs> and in 2022, I was, I absolutely was working on trying to diversify my guest list um, to find more um, younger guests, uh, female or non-binary guests, or, you know, different, just a different impression because Bruce's umbrella or fan base is so wide. So thank you for taking time out of your, you know, especially with you just graduating and getting a new job and you're going to have to move. I really appreciate you time visiting with me. Hey, I love talking music with people. Good. Very Even nice. Even if I've never talked to them before. <laughs> That's good. All right. So JM, before I let you go, um, I end every episode with the Mary question. So uh, let me set this up in case uh, some of you, I hope some of your friends are listening to you. And if they are, JM did you proud. Um, Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher that recently retired. Um, he has a new book out, uh, Bedtime Stories for the Living. Um, and he would spend two days in his high school English class breaking apart Thunder Road. We'll look at the lyrics. We'll talk about the themes of the song, treat it like a poem. And at the end of the two days, he would ask his class, does Mary get in the car? JM, that is your question. Does, J- uh, does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? I think she does. Okay. You want to give I some think reasons she does. why? <clears throat> I think she does because I think, one, it makes sense with the rest of the story that the album is telling. And, you know, you know how he is about telling stories. And two. Absolutely. One of the, one of the things that I personally love about Bruce's music and just everything he writes is that optimism, that kind of hard won optimism of, Hey, we've been through it, but there's always hope. There's Mm -hmm. still hope. And there's, you know, there's still hope at the end of that song. There's maybe, maybe the two of them have more hope than they had before. And I think because of that, I think she gets in the car. Okay. Very nice. Um, I like that answer. Um, if someone wants to reach you, um, what's the best way? Um, so at this point, at this point, because I, like I said, I was about to start a band and then I got a job offer out of state. So that's not happening anymore. I was going to have an Instagram to plug for that band, but now I do not. So you do have Twitter. Yep. I do have Twitter and Although sometimes I get on some pretty weird topics on there. You can find me there at Olive Oil Gemini. Don't ask me to explain it. <laughs> I won't. Uh, I am a Gemini as well. So, uh, hey, nice. Yeah, so there we go. Um, this was a blast. I, I appreciate you so yeah. much. Um, you're welcome I appreci- anytime. I appreciated this. Good. Yeah, uh, and also, hey, yes. if, uh, if I do start anything... The uh, the I will be plugging that on Twitter for sure because Good. I am always anytime I have something going musically I shamelessly plug it everywhere. Well, so, if, if you follow when, me on Twitter, you will be unable to escape it once I finally do end up starting something up. 
All right. So JM, (laughs) when you do not, if, when you do your next creative uh, chapter in your uh, life, reach out to me, say, Jesse, I need another slot and we will have you back on and we'll promote the heck out of it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. We'll talk about a, we'll, we'll pick apart everywhere that you can find a Bruce influence on any song. (laughs) That sounds nice. And uh, hopefully uh, in 2023, you and I can uh, meet at a show and we can exchange a hug and uh, get to meet face to face. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's been nice talking to you, man. It has been nice talking to you. Hang tight. Listeners, go get vaccinated. Go get boosted. Um, let's be kind to each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this. Thank you, JM. Thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. You can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.